Christmas is here, and I am very excited about it. I know we haven't even passed Christmas, uh, Thanksgiving yet, but Thanksgiving is kind of a gateway drug for Christmas to me. Like, it just gets me excited. I get around my family, and it's like, oh, ooh, this is going to be fun. We're gonna, you get the nephews, you got the kids around, you just, oh, I'm all excited. So um, what I want to do for you today is help you and give you tools in which to talk to people about Jesus and to share your faith. This is what I want to do. So if that means that you're looking for ways to share your faith and talk about Jesus to your coworkers, this is a good season for that because, you know, Christmas is kind of about Jesus. It's kind of an easy in. Like you got this, you have carte blanche to talk about Jesus because it's Christ mass. All right. So it's, it's Christ's mass borrowing from our Catholic brothers and sisters. So if they're like, well, you can't talk about religion. The, Christ <laughs> mass, all right? So you have an in. You, you have an easy way to talk a li- a, just a little bit about Jesus, a little bit about church, and, and walk in there. And nobody can get really mad at you because it's like, wait, wait a minute. I mean, I know we're saying happy holidays at Target and all this stuff, but it's Christmas, okay? So let's, let's just help with that. We have some stuff about in our families, like the unwritten rules with your families and friends. What are they? You don't talk about religion, and you don't talk about politics, You don't talk about religion, you don't talk about politics. We just got out of an election season in which lots of us talked about politics and some of us lost some friends over it, right? We were, whether you are, whoever you voted for, uh, all in the gamut, we all said some things probably that we kind of regret. We all all probably said some things that, uh, or heard some things or read some things that rubbed us the wrong way. And we're like, ah, this is why you don't talk about religion. And this is why you don't talk about politics. And so often when we talk about religion, it gets in, in Christianity, it gets lumped in with that same venom that was associated with Trump and Clinton, right? That same idea of, oh, you don't talk about that. I feel, I feel grimy. I feel dirty on this. That is not what we should be feeling like when we're talking about Jesus Christ. That's not the the impression we should be giving when we talk about the church. And so today I want to kind of help us reclaim maybe an avenue or some tips or some ways in which we can talk and invest into people and not give off this, well, we don't don't talk about that. That we can talk about Jesus and people get done with the conversation and they're like, we talked about Jesus. Can you believe that? We talked about God. And so that's that's kind of how I'm uh, hoping to help you today, because we're all in different uh, circumstances, whether it's around the Thanksgiving dinner table and that nephew who really, really, really needs to get his life back on track, whether it's a cousin who you want to speak life into their marriage, whether it's a, a sister who's struggling with who she is and what her identity is, whatever that looks like for you, Thanksgiving's coming, right? Christmas is coming, but it's also for you at work. It's also for you at the PTO board. It's also for you at the swim meets where you're sitting next to parents for hours on end and you kind of ran out of things to talk about about the Bears because Cutler still is kind of... And the Cubs still won the World Series. It's over, guys. Okay. Uh, I know you waited a long time for it, but okay. That horse is dead. We can beat it some more. Um, (laughs) Cardinal fan over here is giving me a big smile. Um, But you run out of things to say, but something that you can always talk about you can always speak life into people. And so here we go today. What are the reasons that we have hesitations about talking about Jesus? The first is this. We are afraid. We 
are afraid about talking about Jesus. We are afraid if we're honest with ourselves. We're scared to death of it. What are they going to think of us? Am I going to lose a friendship? Am I going to get in a fight? We're afraid of it. In the Bible, it talks in the New International Version. It talks about fearing not 365 times. Do not be afraid 365 times. So I'm going to spend the rest of the message today just reading those 365 verses for you. No. Which would be okay. Because fe- fear not. Apparently, it's pretty important to Jesus. Right? Apparently, it's pretty important. Fear not is in there more than almost any other concept in the Scripture. A couple that beat it. Love is in there 551 times. Kind of glad that love beats it. Heaven is in there 582 times. But then fearing not is pretty close to these. Hell is only in there 60 times. It's a real place with a real consequence. But God, when he is forming the words for the scripture, seems to be way more excited about love and about heaven and about fearing not. And so for us, as we address these issues, and specifically when we talk about speaking life into people and talking to them about Jesus, the things we have to remember is love is very important to Jesus. Heaven is very important to Jesus. And not being afraid is very important to Jesus. And so if we couch everything that we think, everything, how we organize our thoughts about talking about God to love and heaven and not being afraid, doesn't that change the perspective? It changes how I look at things. It changes how I form my sentences. It changes how I have patience with people who drive me a little bonkers. Because everything is wrapped up in those three. When I was writing this message this week, this thought popped in my head and really kind of cemented everything that I was trying to say. Only when our love outweighs our fear will we affect the community around us. Only when our love outweighs our fear will we affect the community around us. And for some of us, we are afraid of a lot of things. We're afraid of how people will perceive us or judge us or think about us. But all those come on the back burner when our love drives us. I find this in the great, great commandments and in the Great Commission. Matthew twenty-two thirty-six to 40 says this. Teacher meaning they're yelling at Jesus. Jesus, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replies, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So basically they're asking the question, how are we supposed to live our lives? And he responds with, Love God with everything. 
And before they can interject and before they can argue and before they can say, and give excuses, he says, the second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. He boils it all down. They want to argue and fight over all of what's in the Old Testament. And Jesus says, listen, I'm just going to cut through all of the noise. Love God with everything and love people as yourself. And it goes on, and when he is leaving earth, he gives the mission statement of what we're supposed to do with when we love God with everything and we love people. He says, then Jesus said, Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. So if we're supposed to live our lives with loving God with everything and loving our neighbor as our self, what does he say what we're supposed to do with that? Internally, we're supposed to love God and love others. Externally, we're supposed to teach them and the world how to love God and love others. This is, this is the, and he says, go and make disciples with everything I've taught you. What did he just say? What's important? Love God, love people. We're supposed to make disciples. Our fear and the, the lies that are being told to us. Last week we talked about the devil and his tools and to derail us. And most of them are lies. He deceives us into believing things about ourselves or about our actions that are just not true. And we've let his lies derail us from talking about God to anyone. They're going to hate me. They're going to judge me. I'm going to get kicked out of this. No one ever said these things. No one ever told you these things. No one ever has rebutted you in that way. But you've already lied to yourself. And those have taken root inside of you. We have to get over our fear. Second thing, excuse that we give that we don't talk about Jesus is this. We don't feel qualified. We don't feel qualified. No one in the scripture was qualified to talk about Jesus. None of them. They all were disqualified by their past, didn't have the right pedigrees, didn't have the right jobs, didn't have to go to the right schools. No one was qualified. And so by your very nature of not being qualified, you just got qualified to talk about Jesus because you're just like Peter or John or James. And I guarantee you, you're not as bad as Paul. We don't feel qualified, though. And we let the devil lie to us and say, oh, you don't, you don't have the right words to say. You're not good enough. You're not smart enough. And so we stay quiet. Third thing is we don't want to be pushy. We don't want to be pushy. No one wants used car salesman, Jared, right? No one wants to go to a used car dealership. I shopped for a car for like six weeks after my Alero got totaled last year. And I, I did it all online. It was fantastic. Because I could do it online, I didn't have to walk onto a car dealerships in February in Chicago, which is a good thing, right? That's no fun for anybody. Walk out there, and then you're accosted by people, and you're like, I don't trust you, because I know what you want from me. You want me to buy whatever. And I just, eh, stay away. And I feel like sometimes that's, the, that's how we feel or are perceived as the church. So we don't want to be pushy. I think we've made up our minds that if I talk about 
Jesus, I have to badger them in and beat them down with my words with some other uh, unrealistic expectation. What we do instead is we present an opportunity and let God handle the results. Fourth, we are complacent. Someone else will do it. Some other time, the moon wasn't right, right? The supermoon, I can't talk about Jesus when the supermoon's out. We're just complacent. The problem with that is that hell is a very real place. And it is a very real consequence for not believing in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. So we have to internalize that at some point, that complacency doesn't cut it. We need to do something about it. We have to be active. We have to take the great commandments and take the great commission for what they really are worth. That we are to go and make disciples. And we have these excuses and we bring them up all the time and we we keep on having them in our head. I have them in my head. You have them in your head. We may even set out in a certain conversation and say, you know what, I'm going to invite someone so, so to church today. And then we get there and we totally chicken out. I'm the only one that does that, right? I may have the invite card in my back pocket. And I was like, yeah, no, never mind. But we have to get over these things because their lives and their eternities matter. So how do we talk about Jesus? How do we do it and not be creepy? Very practical today. If you're taking notes, You're going to want to write some stuff down. If you're not taking notes, maybe you want to write some stuff down today. This is extremely practical stuff that we're going to head head into. Use what you have. You've all been given certain gifts, certain circumstances, certain personalities that connect with people that maybe I would never even connect with, people that I'll never talk to. And there's people that I'll talk to that you will never talk to. Use what you have. God has let you be a certain kind of person. He's given you free choice and free will to have different kinds of hobbies and different kind of interests that will present you with people that are just interesting. And so you need to be able to leverage what God has given you for the kingdom of God. Luke 5, 29 to 32 says this, Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house, and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with him. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples. Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered them, It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinners to repentance. Who is Levi? Levi is Matthew, the disciple. So Matthew is is a disciple, and he's starting to become a disciple. And he's like, I I don't know what to do. I got to do something. Let's throw a party. This is his action. Uh, you know, this is, when he meets Jesus, his first thing is like, let's throw a party. Now, I don't know about you, but that's not generally my reaction. But I love, he uses what he has. He says, you know what? I got a house. I got a courtyard. Let's throw a party. If you sat under my teaching for very, um, very long, you know that I, I perceive the tax collectors in first century uh, Israel more as Don Corleone than as the IRS. Okay, so what we're having is this this big, you know, he's got this nice house. And he's like, you know what? Everybody to my house. Which must have generated all kinds of interest because what's going on at Don Corleone's house? Right? I want to go. And he's just invited me over. 
I'm going to be nosy, right? So he's leveraging what he has. If I'm going to leverage this microphone that I almost threw on the ground. I, he leverages what he has. He leverages his house. He leverages his money. He leverages it for God. And so my question to you is, what do you have that you can leverage for the kingdom of God? Do you have a grill? You can leverage it for the kingdom of God. Throw some burgers on it. Throw some chicken on it. Douse the chicken in Italian dressing. Turn it over after like six minutes. Do it again. Guess what? You got a barbecue dinner that's fantastic. You got, if, if, if they want salad, it goes deliciously on salad. You know, you got the whole thing. If you have a grill, you have an opportunity to speak into someone's life. You get to have backyard conversations with them. Do you have a boat? You can literally trap someone and talk to them. <laughs> right? You go out of Lake Michigan, you're like, let's talk about Jesus. I'm going to go for a swim. Right? That's not going to happen. You can, if you have a boat, you can leverage it. Do you have a TV? If you have a TV and there's a football game on, you can either complain about the commercials or use that time to your advantage. And I'm not even talking about leading someone to Christ right then. I'm just talking about building relationship, opening up the doors, getting to peek into their heart a little bit, getting to know their mind, getting to know their situation. Do you have 18 kids basketball games to go to? Do you have to sit there during practice and watch them try to dribble the ball back and forth? Do you have to go to all kinds of different practices or any activities with your children? You have an opportunity, and the door is already open to speak into someone else's life. We are a society that is so isolated. We are so living room-based. We are so cell phone-based. We are so... This is my little world. That when we take the opportunity to actually crack that open, we get to speak life into someone. Because at the root of all this, we are a people that are lonely. We have fake relationships on Facebook. We have even faker relationships on Twitter. But when I get to speak into your life, when I get to see how you're really doing, when I get to read your facial expressions, we're like, how's your week going? You're like... I had an interaction with a woman this morning. I said, you've been behaving yourself? And she was like, yes. Now, I know there's a story behind that, right? But I wouldn't have got that if I just you know, texted her. I get to speak into their lives. You do it the same way. You get to be someone who loves them and cares about them and shows them, hey, I know lots of things are going around around here, but I can tell something's bothering you. Now, I'm not even gotten to the, the odd part of talking about Jesus or the, the hard conversations. I'm just saying, you know what, Josh? I care about you. And you don't know what's going to come out of their mouth. You don't know how they're going to speak into them. And you don't have to. You don't have to have the answers. Just care and love about them. Everything that can, can be leveraged because everything that fosters relationship should be pointing to Jesus. Second practical point is this. Tell your story. Everyone has a story. Tell your story. John 9, verse 28 says this. Whether he's a sinner or not, I do not know. One thing I do know, I was blind. But now 
I see. I love this story. This guy is blind his whole life. And he's getting accosted for, for being healed on the Sabbath. And he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I don't, I don't know about the dude that, that healed me. I don't have his biography. I don't have a work cited page. But I know this. I was blind, and now I can see you jokers. So you can yell at me all you want, but I can see you, so I don't care. And I love his attitude. I love the way in which he's, he's conducting himself because he's like, whoa, 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 whoa. You're, you're more concerned that I was healed on Saturday than I can see. He doesn't have the answers, and I love that. Because you know what? I went to, I have a master's in Bible, right? I still don't have all the answers. But I can be honest enough to say, you know what? I know a Jesus who loves and cares about me, who has redeemed me. And I once was this, and now I am this. So if I'm the one that's supposed to have all the answers, and I still have to say, I once was this, and now I'm this, you can do the same. You talk to someone, the conversation comes up. They talk about how rough their marriage is going, how they're struggling with depression, how they feel lost at work, how they feel like they can't connect with their kids. That only comes out of relationship, right? That only comes out of backyard conversations. That only comes out of halftime shows being muted and, and conversations happening. That only comes after 18 swim meets and you still you ran out of other things to talk about. But you, you can step into their life after the relationship is built. And you look at them and you say, you know what? I've struggled with a rough marriage. And I once was this, and now I'm this. I once was an alcoholic, but now I'm not because Jesus changed my life. My marriage was on the rocks, and as we work through it with God's help, it's better now. There's still issues. I'm still imperfect, but we're working on it. My kids still act a fool, but God is helping me and get through this. I once was this, and now I'm this. You don't have to have all the answers. You just have to be willing to say, this is who I am. This is who I was. This is who I'm going to be. You may not be there yet, and that's perfectly honest. Right? Because one of the things, oh, they're going to think I'm a goody two-shoes. Oh, you think you got... This is where I'm striving for. This is what I'm hoping for. This is where I'm going. Tell your story. Before you even do that, you need to pray about it. Pray about opportunities to talk about your story. Pray that their ears would be open. Pray that their hearts would be open to listening to you. The simple prayer, and maybe it's one that you'll pray around the Thanksgiving table when a conversation goes a little weird. It's to yourself, and it just goes like this. Jesus, please guide my words. Second thing is, everything is in love. Everything is in love. When you're talking to somebody like this, it's everything is in love. When you start to feel yourself getting rage inside you, that's not from Jesus. When you want to just be right, and you want to hit them with the the, the conversation hammer, that's not from Jesus. Everything is in love. It's this, I care about you, I care about you right now, and I care about your future. 
Tell your story honestly. Honestly. You don't have to make anything up. Just tell your story honestly. Tell them about your hope. Tell them about your hope. I get to go to heaven. I get to feel safe. I'm not worried about death. And that is something that money can't buy. I'm not worried about death. I'm not worried about my family's death. You know what the the peace and the assurance is that if my dad passed getting gallbladder surgery this week, that that's okay. (laughs) Of course we will miss him. No, it really wasn't supposed to be a slight. But that I have hope, I have peace, that I know where dad's going. I know that dad won't have to struggle with with headaches anymore. I know dad won't have to struggle with other things anymore. Because he's going to heaven. And while I'll miss him and I'll I'll miss the opportunities he would have with his grandchildren, I know that he is secure in that. And that's a peace that I have that I love to have. I will get to experience perfect love, perfect peace, perfect acceptance, and perfect joy. I have a hope that our community and our nation does not have. Tell them about your hope. And finally, you ask them if they'd like to know this Jesus too. Do you want to know this Jesus too? You once, I once was this, and now I'm this. Would you like to be on this journey as well? Ask them. You have to actually ask them. You tell the story and then you ask them if they would know to like if they ask them if they would like to know Jesus. And some of me just even saying that point, you got nervous inside. And I, I want you to think about that nervousness. Where does that come from? Is that out of the fear? Is that the lies you've been told that you're not good enough? That you're not qualified enough, that you're not equipped enough? You need to pray against that and pray through that. And finally, use the church. This is what we're we're here for. We're here to equip you to be disciples of Jesus Christ. Use us. We're here. We orient everything we do on a Sunday morning so that you would feel that you could invite your friends and your family to church. It's why we do what we do. We do other things throughout the week and throughout the year to develop people into fully devoted followers of Christ. But on Sunday morning, we gear everything so that you would feel that you could trust us with the people you most care about. Use the church. Invite people to church. I'm give you three very easy ways to know if this person's ready to be invited to church. Are you ready? They all have to do with not statements. Things are not going well. Things are not going well. If you're having a conversation with somebody and they say things are not going well, they basically just said, Jeff, will you please invite me to church? That is what, what is happening because there, things are not going well. Well, you know what? Things have not been going well in my life. And, and church is really, Jesus through the church is really helping me sort these things out. I don't want to talk about that. I'm telling you, man, come on to church. 
Things are not going well in my family, in my work, in my life. Things are not going well. You know what? We Come to church. I was not prepared for how hard marriage was going to be. Come on. I was not prepared for blank. That basically just asked you to invite them to church. I am not from here. I am not from here. They need a community around them. They need people that will care about them, that will walk through life with them. I am not from here. You know what? Come to church. We've got wonderful people, wonderful, friendly people that would love to get to know you. Very easy. I'm not from here. My promise to you is I will create an environment that will answer those questions and speak life and hope and a future into your family and friends. That's my promise to you. That I won't want to do anything on Sunday morning that embarrasses you. Because you're trusting me with people that have your heart. My promise is this, I will speak truth and love into their lives. And that we will do that from this stage and with every opportunity that we get to speak love and truth of Jesus Christ died on the cross for them at every opportunity that we get. There's a caveat to all of this in this community. And it's one I've been studying for, this is going to be my fourth Christmas here, right? Studying for three and a half years, is that the, the Catholic influence here. There's probably 80% of this church right now was Catholic at some point in their life. And I, I hope you know, you've realized from my teaching that I've never said anything anti-Catholic. I love our Catholic brothers and sisters. But there's two different kinds of Catholics in our community. Just like in the South, there's two different kinds of Baptists. Practicing Baptists, and I went to Baptist church once. I was baptized when I was four, and then I was good, right? Same thing happens here with, with, in Catholicism is I'm Catholic, okay? I, I was confirmed, and that was the last day I went to a Catholic church, and it's been 45 years, okay? So we have this kind of dichotomy going on. But when you speak to a Catholic brother and sister, and you're talking to them about Jesus, you need to realize that church has different kind of connotations to them. It has a lot different than what we're going on. And what dad was talking about earlier, that I don't have two heads, that I'm a guy who has a family, who deals with family issues, who has kids that run in church and break things just like they have kids that run in church and break things. Right? That, that, there's, that you can relate to me, hopefully, in some, some way. And so that might need be a hurdle that needs to be jumped. We don't have a priest. I, had a, I was talking to a guy the other day. He's a Catholic guy. And he said, Jared, I know I'm going to hell. I said, you do? He said, yeah, I'm Catholic. And I just, I looked at him and I said, that is fundamentally anti to everything that the church is wanting for you. And he had no rebuttal to that because he had just beat himself up and worked himself in a way that he had just gotten to a weird place. We have the opportunity to speak into that from our dress from who I am, from how we organize what we are at church, that if we spark something into a Catholic brother and sister by you inviting them to church, that they get back involved in, in the Catholic church, fantastic. I hope they have a life-giving relationship with Jesus Christ in that. But we just need to, don't be like, oh, I'm Catholic. And we go, oh, okay, well, he's, he's good. We need to speak life into them. 
Invite them to church. We have so many misconceptions that go on in this community because of other uh, baggage that happened. We had the same in the South. They just called themselves Baptists. Okay, so I'm not judging Catholics, all right? It's, it's, it's just this, this cultural of Christianity. Oh, my parents or my grandparents were this, so I'm good. No, you need your own relationship with Christ. So we, we try to overcome some of the, the things. Our environment's different. Our expectations for you are probably a little different. Our pastor's definitely different. And our dress is different. But only when our love outweighs our fear will we affect this community around us. Only when our love outweighs our fear will we affect the community around us. Maybe right now, if you're honest with yourself, you're thinking, "I I don't think my love outweighs anything. I love my family, and that's about it. But I don't love this community, Jared. And I want, if you find yourself there that you don't feel motivated to talk to anybody about Jesus or invite them to church or, or take any of these steps, I want to challenge you on, on a few things. I want you to pray about it. And I want you to read the scripture just with eyes of how does this, what does this mean for community? Because when we start praying about our community, God, give me your eyes when I pull into Mariano's that I won't see impediments to my day, but I will see people that you love. That when we are running around Walmart at 2 a.m. On, at, <laughs> on Black Friday, that we see actual people and not cattle. That our hearts would be rearranged, our eyes would be rearranged, our, hear, our ears would be rearranged for love to care about their souls. Only when our love outweighs our fear will you affect the community around us. God has called us to love God and to love people and then to make disciples. This is the what's expected of us, how we're supposed to arrange our lives. If we wonder what we're supposed to be doing in life, what's our mission, what job should I take? Does it allow you to love God and love people? And make disciples, because that's what you're supposed to do. Folks, this is important stuff. It's very practical stuff. It's how we need to take um, the next steps in our life and our faith. Because for far too long, we have relegated anyone who talks about Jesus as the creepy guy we want to shove in the corner. We can't let ourselves be characterized. We can't let... Westboro Baptist Church be the only church that people ever hear about on the news. Our love has to outweigh our fear. We have to be active. We have to be intentional with the people around us, with our family, with our friends, with our neighbors. Jesus loves them and died on the cross for them just as he did for you. Only when our love outweighs our fear will we affect the community around us. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for today. Thank you for this moment. Thank you for this time. God, we ask you to bless us. We ask you to guide us. Lord, I ask you for intentional faith. I ask you for your eyes. I ask you for your courage. I ask you for motivation. I ask you for intentionality.
God, as we struggle through some of these issues and we have examined some of our conversations, that God, these conversations would be geared towards showing people love and compassion and building up, showing them that there's a hope and a future for them. That they don't have to be given into materialism, relegated to a life that's not validating. That God has something better for them. He wants to redeem them and set them right. There's story after story, person after person who needs to be saying, I was blind, but now I see. Jesus, would that be our heart cry? Would that be our story? Would you give us the words and the courage and the empathy to say it? We love you and we praise your name. Amen.